This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak. And this is episode 138 with Amy Hare. Amy really exemplifies to me what it is to break upward. And this goes beyond heartbreak of the romantic kind. You will hear in her story that she did go through a divorce and wound up meeting her now husband six months later. So she really is a testament to when you finally allow yourself to move out of something, you also enable your heart to move closer to what is meant for you next. And that doesn't just come from leaving something and sitting somewhere, but also calling in new experiences to your life. She's someone that joined CrossFit right after her divorce because she wanted to be around new people, not only do something for her body, but do something socially. And through that experience or through CrossFit, she met her now husband. Now, it didn't just happen like that. It's actually better. And she's someone that initiated contact with her husband, which I'm all about. I'm all about women approaching men, making a move, making it happen. But again, her story doesn't only have to do with romance. It's also about finding the silver lining and the lesson and finding gratitude and seeing how experiences shape you for the better that are beyond heartbreak of the romantic sort. Her story has to do with finding out that two of her three children had a rare illness, whereas other people would find chaos and extreme sadness and devastation and news like that. She really rose to the challenge and wanted to be strong for her children, realizing that even when they were little, tiny, tiny little babies, that they would be able to sense whether she was able to hold it all together. So in our story, you will hear how she broke upward from really big circumstances, circumstances that were happening also all at once, you know, finding out that one of her children had this rare illness and then seeing, you know, your partner kind of fall apart around that experience, be afraid of that experience, be afraid to get close to their child out of their own fear of heartbreak that they might lose the child and then have bonded too much and have to say goodbye to that. So there's so many elements here. She also is a relationship specialist that helps people break toxic patterns. Now, this is something that I hear a lot about. I see a lot about it on Instagram. Toxic, toxic, toxic. It's kind of a buzzword. So I think that you will enjoy that. One last little thing is I've been getting messages about, oh my God, how do I deal with Christmas being here in the holidays? And I just, there's this feeling like there's so much romance in the air and it makes me reflect on, you know, the emotional home that I had with someone before, or I see other people coupling up and I feel left out. 
put yourself out there in terms of people that you could just be with. You know, sometimes we're so focused on having it be this person that we don't create openings for it to be other people. So for example, I was kind of upset about how I wasn't invited recently to go on this day trip, this weekend trip, and I was telling someone about it and hurt that I wasn't included. And he goes, Chelsea, you want to go upstate? I'll go this weekend. Let's go this weekend. Or the next time I go, come with me. And it's kind of one of these moments that you don't get to complain about something and say you want something and then not to say yes to the person that's inviting you into it. So don't be so focused on who you need to have something with, but create an opening to have that experience with maybe a different person, someone that you wouldn't think to have that experience with. Have that be your invitation out into the world. Another thing is that while there's so much romance that we might be seeing on the outside, I've been trying to find ways to create romance for myself on the inside. You know, recently I went out and bought all these lights for my apartment. I've been stringing these lights. Then I went and got this light projector to put up on my ceiling. I got lights for my bedroom and it's just all around. It's like this magic wonderland. And I feel like even just that, finding ways to kind of feel like there's this atmosphere inside of my home really helps me feel like I'm leaning into the romance and I'm not waiting just for someone else to come into my life, but I'm making it happen for myself on my own. And sometimes it's really about just tweaking a little bit within our own environment. And that's how we can kind of indulge in the feelings of romance and newness and magic. So that's just my little takeaway. Thank you so much for being here with me. And there's a solo episode coming very soon. to be a hairdresser Uh and then when I met my husband I thought it was so ironic that his last name was hair and uh, Uh like I had I even had a beauty salon as one of my previous businesses so yeah it was just really funny when I was like oh my gosh you know I used to want to be a hairdresser and it would have been so funny to have a name Amy Hair had I been a hairdresser (laughs) and then you married the man oh my god yeah but hey you know relationship specialist hairdresser same same both are essentially therapists Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever in your life before you met your ex-husband or is it? Yeah, so I I was married previously and then pretty much six months after I split up from my ex, it was a really toxic, horrible relationship. And um, yeah, six months after leaving him, I met my now husband, which was really funny because my husband now had come out of a really long-term relationship that was very similar to what I'd been through. So we often say we met each other at the right time and when we need each other the most. Oh my God, there's so much to say about that. I mean, how many people talk about how relationships are so based on timing? And I always that's why like if you try to force something with someone right now it's almost better just to accept where someone is because if you don't force it then it won't have to be over in someone's life that's right life happens for you not to you so you can't force it you've just kind of got to let that divine intervention happen and it will just happen Do you feel like it was important for you after your first marriage to be with someone that would have understood the type of relationship you had been in? So I wasn't looking for a relationship. My focus when I left my first marriage was to love me. Mm -hmm. And I think that I hadn't loved me for, well, my entire life. I didn't understand what loving me was and what that looked like. So that was my big plan was 
just love myself and be happy with myself. And I think that was, you know, like I say, that divine intervention. I think that's what brought my now husband to me was I just loved part of my wording, but I loved the shit out of myself. And, you know, I feel like the universe went, okay, now that you love yourself so much, we've challenged you, we've given you, you know, the lessons. Here's your reward. Here's your prize. You know, at the end of that, congratulations, well done. We're giving you uh-huh. your dreams. But we went into our relationship with the perspective of these are our guidelines and these are the things that are our non-negotiable. So, you know, we discussed having children. I already had two kids when I met my husband. He wanted to have a child. He didn't have children of his own. And I was like, yep, I'm open to having another child. So that was for us going into it. We went, there's no point getting six months down the track, having emotions and feelings and dreams and not having these discussions up front because then we've wasted each other's time and, you know, then feelings and all that sort of stuff get in the way and it's so much harder to walk away. Mm. So we thought, no, it's best to go into it going, this is what we want. And we were just, yeah, lucky and I guess grateful that our values and our expectations aligned. Oh my God, there's so much to ask you. One, it's like, it's almost as if two people should write like on a note card, you know, that's being covered, what their dreams are. And what yeah. And then they should trade because it's yeah. all, you know, you hear these things where so you go out on a date and someone starts saying what their dreams are. And the person across from them is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can be on board for that. Yeah. They so badly want to be in pursuit of this. They want to try it. Yes. Yeah. And I think you're so right. The feelings come in and it sways and taints the initial longing, or I think it's so important to remember what your dream was for yourself before you met yeah. someone. Absolutely. My husband and I often say that you're still an individual. You're just choosing to be a part of two individuals coming together and you still need to be able to feel like you can be that individual and have your own hopes and dreams, but still work on things together. So we've got, my husband and I, we have our own individual goals and we go as far as even writing these down. So we have our own individual goals and then we have goals as a couple. We you know, pre-plan basically our our year and five and 10 years in advance and go, okay, these are the things that we want to achieve over this period of time. How can we help each other to achieve our own personal goals, but then work together to achieve our goals as a couple, as a family? Mm, What a coaching relationship. It's just like so intriguing to me, sitting down and setting up goals for each other. So what would be an example of a goal as a couple a year out? So one of our goals that we've actually just ticked off our list, we wanted to have um, an international holiday with our children. Mm-hmm. So as of last week, we just booked a trip to New Zealand for all of us and we're taking my dad with us as well. My dad is 72 now and um, one of our big things is to be able to, you know, take family away with us on these experiences. So we've yeah, bought a ticket for my dad and our three children and that was one of our biggest things was to be able to take our kids and experience the world. So another example, we've just uh, just finished building a house three months ago and one of our goals as a couple is to finish the yard. So we've got, I don't know, it sounds really boring, but <laughs> we've uh, things like grass and, uh, you know, putting a fence out the front. So those things. But then on an individual level, I have a fitness achievement that I want to be able to reach. And my husband has his own fitness. He's into CrossFit and he has a CrossFit goal that he wants to reach. And so when we plan our weeks in advance, so every Sunday we sit down and we plan our week and we organize where and each of us can go training and sort of juggle it with work and children. 
Oh my gosh. I don't know if people say this in Australia, but in America, there's this cynicism about relationships or marriages really being so business contract. But I think that there's something so romantic about a relationship that seems kind of like a, a partnership in a business way, like how you're describing it. Oh yeah, we sit down on Sunday. Some people can think it's boring, but I think it's romantic to you be so what? intentional. So intentional. I, yeah, I think that if you don't have goals, then where are you going? You're just living the day to day. But I think that there's something really powerful about a couple who can go, okay, what do we want to achieve? And the word that comes to mind or the phrase that comes to mind is power couple. You know, mm. I feel like we put ourselves in a position of power because we're so focused on what do we want to achieve as a couple, as, as individuals, as a family. And, you know, it doesn't have to be business, you know. You can make it as part of your date night and go, okay, let's make a really nice dinner. Let's crack open a bottle of wine. Let's sit down and we'll write down our plans for the week. And it's that, you know, being able to give each other credit as well. Hey, well done. You achieved this last week. I'm really proud of you. So mm. it's definitely not a business. You can bring that romance into it by showing each other gratitude, by showing each mm. other that you're so proud of the other one's achievements. And, you know, if they haven't achieved something, that's okay. What can I help you with to help you get that this week? Did you ever feel overlooked in relationships? In the past, absolutely. And I found that because I didn't have a good foundation of what a relationship, what a healthy relationship and a functional relationship looked like growing up, my parents had quite a toxic relationship. But I thought that that was normal because monkey see, monkey do. Mm -hmm. When you're growing up in it, that's what you perceive normal to be. So then when I went out into the big bad world and you know was looking for relationships, I got into relationships exactly like what my parents showed me. So yeah, so I very much you know went oh you know I love you so much I'll do anything for you and I lost my identity I lost who I was as a person because it was just all for the other person and did the person that you're with were they aware of that did they take advantage of that or did they not know that you were doing things at the time that really weren't for you yeah look I think at the time, I would have said, yep, absolutely, they're taking advantage of me. They're a really horrible person. You know, I do nothing for me. I do everything for them. But mm -hmm. given the time away from it and, you know, growth and maturity and being in the position that I am in now, I can see from a logical point of view as opposed to an emotional point of view. Yeah. So I can say, okay, well, look, I went into that relationship because that's what I thought a relationship looked like. He's probably gone into that relationship because he thought that's what a relationship looked like. So we weren't meant to be together for the long haul. I feel like we were meant to be together for that period of time because we both had things that we needed to learn. But yeah, I, I can look at it logically now and not emotionally and go, yep, there was something for me to learn out of that. This is what I took away from it. I've changed and developed and grown as a person. Yes, you could say that he probably took advantage and, and that sort of thing, but you could also say I probably nagged at him too much or yeah. Mm. So I, I don't believe that relationships break down because of one person. Mm. Um, I think it's two people that break down the relationship and a lot of the times it's two people that just aren't supposed to be together and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You said that you've learned what the lesson was. With your ex-husband, I imagine that you might see him still because you have children together. Yeah. Have you gotten any insight about a lesson he might have learned or whether he sees relationships in a similar way that you do? Look, it's very hard. Um, he's in a relationship. He's actually three weeks away from having a baby with his new partner, which is very exciting for our kids. They're getting a new um, baby brother or sister. Look, I, I don't know. I... Hmm. see that he has made some changes and I think that some of his changes are around communication 
but I don't think that he had the realisation on the deep level that I did. Mm. I think for him it was a lot of, well, it's not my problem, it's not my fault. Right. Um, yeah, but I think that, that he did grow in a sense and, and that came with a little bit of maturity. But, yeah, I think that I've definitely had a really deep level of understanding of what went wrong and being able to take responsibility as well. What did I do wrong? Mm. But it's not something that you verbalised to him. I have actually, yeah, recently. Wow. I, yeah, yeah. I. Um, <laughs> you're saying I, that you were able to verbalise it, but you didn't hear it back. So it's like you've started No. Okay, I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, I've, I've put it out there and I'm at peace with that. I actually had my big breakthrough with him only recently and I went away from a conference and had some really big personal breakthroughs and one of them was that, hey, actually, I, I'm to blame for some of the relationship breaking down as well. It's not all you. And I, I sent him a message and just said, look, I did put all of the blame on you and I understand now that it's not all of your fault and that we just weren't supposed to be together forever. So that's, you know, that's that. And I didn't get a response, but that's okay. At least I've put it out there and, and I'm okay with it. I want you to tell the audience about how that is okay. Because for me, I think that there's something so empowering about being able to say something and it's not be about having to get something in return, but that's what validates it. Yeah. I think that if you look for a response, you're giving them power. So mm. I think that the power is 100% with you. If you can own it and go, yeah, I did the wrong thing or I, ac I accept part of the responsibility and, you know, I forgive you and, and not need to hear I forgive you or sorry in return, it 100% rides with you. And I think that's the way that, well, that's definitely the way that I teach my clients to go into it is you are in control and you are in the power position when you go, I don't need a response from you because I'm okay with where I'm at. I'm comfortable mm. with where I'm at and I'm content with my life. And if you're not, then that's that's for you to deal with. That's got nothing to do with me. But I think if you need to hear something back from them, you're just giving them over your power and just saying, here, take little pieces of me. Whereas you hold the cards, you're the one with the, you know, you're the one with the magic wand, basically. If, mm. if you say, if you're going, I don't need to hear anything from you because I'm okay with where I'm at. I love that you hold the magic wand. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So you went to a conference and you had big breakthroughs. What was it that was that aha moment? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do remember. And I remember being in tears. Yeah. <laughs> I did a timeline meditation and I knew before the meditation that I had issues with my mum and that I needed to forgive my mum for the way that she treated me growing up and mm -hmm. I didn't want to forgive her because she'd hurt me so much, but I knew that I had to forgive her in order to move on. And it's that thing that I just spoke about with the power. Don't go giving, you know, someone else the power by saying I need to hear something back from you. I knew that I wasn't going to hear anything from my mum. And I think that's why I held on to that pain and, and that, you know, the not wanting to forgive her. I felt like she didn't deserve that. Mm. And I did this timeline meditation and I just went, you know what? I forgive you. I don't need to give you any of my energy because you're not worth my energy. You're not worthy of my energy. My energy is my power and I'm going to hold on to that and I'm just going to let this rubbish go. I forgive you. It's okay. And thank you. Thank you for the person that you were because had you not have been that person, I wouldn't be as strong and powerful as I am today. Mm. Yeah, I wonder how your mom would reflect on her own self 
if she were to believe that she is this person, I yeah. wonder how she would thank herself for being this person. Like, what is the silver lining for her to be someone that's been this way to their child? Yeah, look, I think, uh, unfortunately, because my mum, you know, she's done it for so long, I think that it's just a habit and it would be very hard for her to break that habit but you know one of the biggest things that I discuss with so many people is the people that you surround yourself with if you're in an environment where there's toxicity around you and people around you who are influencing that negative self-talk and that negative talk about you know the exterior world then there's no way that you can have any foresight or any breakthroughs personally and unfortunately for my mother she's around people who influence that sort of behavior so I think it would be very hard for her to have a breakthrough and look my hope for her is that one day she does and I really hope that it, it does happen for her and she can find peace because I feel like she's held on to so much you know from her upbringing as well that I can understand like I say from a logical point of view that this poor lady doesn't have peace from and that's why she was the mother that she was because she couldn't find her own internal peace and I was able to break away from that I was able to, you know, to get away from that and find my own internal peace. And, yeah, I just, every morning when I do meditation, I send out positive vibes to her and just hope that she can find her own peace. Mm. I've thought about that word too, you know, when I've seen my mom still have trouble with her own mom and we'll talk about it forever and feeling like there's no accountability or responsibility. Like she really can't see herself no matter how much therapy she goes to. And listen, my mom yeah. is, you know, my best friend. I have a great relationship yeah. with her, but it's painful to see someone else in pain for so long. That's what I've identified too. I've said to her, I'm like, I want to see you at peace. I want to look at yes. you. And when you're around these people, I don't want to see you in pain. I don't want to see the walls up around you. I don't care who built them around you anymore. Yeah. In fact, yeah. you're still there. I don't want to see that for you any longer. And it's hard when your parents are getting older and you think that they might go to their end of their life, never knowing yeah. that they could have freed themselves. Yeah. See, my biggest thing is I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and, you know, you have the vision or the image of, being on your deathbed and you're surrounded by the people that you love. And I don't want to be laying there going, oh, I really wish I did this or I really wish I did that or I really wish I had a better life because, you know, I should have loved myself or whatever. But with, you know, the instance of your mom, I think that we can't go to someone else asking them to change. The only people who can change anyone is ourselves. We can only change and make our own decisions. Again, that power thing, if we go looking for someone else to change or someone else to say sorry or someone else to accept responsibility for what they've done, we just give away our power and our energy to them and we need to hold those cards close to us and just go, you know what, I forgive you for what you've done. Even if you don't forgive yourself, you know, you can live in that, you can live in that pain, but I'm not going to live in that pain anymore. That's yours. It's not mine. Mm. For some reason, I feel like people that choose not to do that, it's because somehow there's some personal satisfaction about being still trapped. I call it the pity party. They throw themselves a pity party and they invite everyone along. So people like to... Um, poor me, feel sorry for me because that's how they get attention and that's how they feel yes. that they by the way that they act. Oh, my God. And then it's like, well, I'm not trying to get attention. I'm just trying to be invisible. It's like it's so obvious that you're trying to disappear right now that not everyone can't help but look at you. And when you start to realize it, you realize, oh, my God, this is a cry for attention this whole time. 
Yeah, absolutely. People do it for validation of, of their problems, whereas that's their way of not having to deal with their issues and not having to deal with their problems is getting other people to validate it by saying, I feel really sorry for you. How do you get through this? Da, 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 da. And I have just stuck back and I just cannot indulge in it anymore. I yeah. can't. And because that's your power. Yeah, and I don't want to feed the beast. I don't. It's interesting how you can wake up and you can realize, wow, my own participation at a certain point in feeding the problem and enjoying certain points in my life. You know, I used to get off by, you know, when I had a problem with my dad, for example, I think that I connected a lot more with my mom. And then yeah. you, know, you start bonding. And then years later, once you've kind of resolved the issue you have, you realize, oh my God, that's why we connected so much is because yeah. we were both commiserating. Yeah. Misery loves company. And that's hard when it's your own family member. Absolutely it is. But, you know, that's where, um, you know, like I say, your peace and your power comes in and you just go, I can't change you. I can suggest things, but I'm not going to give you my energy if you don't take up my suggestions. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And how old is your oldest child? He's seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And I've got a six-year-old, and so they're with my first two. My um, my six-year-old was actually my epiphany. He mm-hmm. was born with a rare disease, so he was actually in ICU for the first two weeks of his life. He needed life-saving surgery at one week old, and I made a decision when I was in the ICU waiting room. You know, I was crying and upset, and you know, poor me, poor my poor little baby. What's he going through? And and I just went actually, no, I'm not going to be upset about this and I'm going to choose to see this from a positive point of view because A, being upset doesn't change the situation Mm. and B, he's come to me for a reason. There is a reason that this child was given to me and I think that reason is that we can change the world. We can help other people by our story, by our path and it was in that moment that I started to seek out and consciously make better decisions for my life. I started listening to podcasts. I started, you know, getting a thirst for knowledge and a thirst for information. I started reading books about personal development and I started to change. And, you know, my ex-husband, his dad, didn't want to come along on that journey. And and that's where I started to break away and change who I was as a person. And it, it took me almost almost two years to get up the courage to, to walk away and just go, I'm, I deserve more than this. Mm. You know, what's amazing is that instead of just reading books about the disease that your child had or yeah. all that and doing research on that and then becoming, you know, and this is not a bad thing, but, you know, consumed by solving or raising awareness about that. Yeah. In time, at least you were raising awareness about yourself and by doing yeah. that, that's what helped you leave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I say to everyone that he's my blessing. He's the reason that I changed my life. He's the way that I got out of a relationship that was killing me. Yeah. That's very difficult to see the difference in decisions or how, you know, for you, what was such an opportunity just to change for the better of that, to see the person that you love, to see the father not use that same moment to their own advantage. Yeah. And was he angry at the world for it? What was his reaction? Look, I think he didn't want to go near him as a baby because he, he was scared that he would die and he didn't want, 
I guess he didn't want his heart broken over losing a child, so he didn't bond with him in the first three months. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think he he kind of went into his shell a little bit and yeah. just didn't want to deal. I think he found it all way too hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and even even up until or well, just before him and his partner got pregnant, you know, he said to her that he was he didn't want to have another child because he was scared of the same thing happening. Yeah. And, you know, as as the universe had it, I had a second child with the same disease. So it was something that I carry. And, yeah, my new husband and I had our son who was born with the same disease. So, What disease is it? It's called Hirschsprung's disease. So it's where um, they're born without any nerves in a section of their bowels. So normal cases, it's a one in 5,000 occurrence and it's only a small section of their colon that's affected. In my second born son, so the first one to be born with the disease, he is actually a one in one million case. Mm -hmm. So all of his colon and 21 centimetres of his small intestine are affected by the disease. So he's had basically all of that cut out. He has big scars on his tummy. He's had 17 operations. (laughs) He's doing really well now. Um, and then the baby is, he's one and a half. He's had three operations. He's a one in 20,000 case. So he's got two thirds of his colon that's affected by the disease. How does a child cope with it going forward? Is it, you said that you're the first son that you had that was affected, that he's doing really well. Is this something that he, he, he has or is it something that affects him for the rest of his life or not? Yeah, look, he, he needs to watch his diet. He needs to watch um, his fluid intake, you know, he needs to make sure he goes to the toilet often. So, look, it's it's manageable um, as long as he does actually manage it. Yeah. 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 And maybe because, you know, you saw your son as an epiphany and a blessing, you had so much more, you were open to whatever could happen next. But yeah. I, I would imagine there could be this fear, like you're just like waiting to find out what's going to happen with your next child. Was that the case? Like, how did you approach it with grace? Yeah, when I was pregnant, I said to everyone, all I want at the end of this is a pooey nappy. <laughs> because right. when they, like when it's first discovered that they have this, the, well, the very first sign is that they don't pass their meconium, their first, you know, poop as a baby. And uh, that was all I wanted to do. But when we got to a few hours post-birth and um, he wasn't feeding and he was really tired and didn't cry much and, um, you know, his tummy started to get really big and hard and I just looked at my ah. husband and I just went, no, it's, it's the same thing. And I ugly cried like I've never ugly cried before oh. in my life. So and sad. Yeah, it was, it was that realisation that it was me, that the reason yeah. that, you know, that they had this, disease was because of something that I'd passed on to them so that was that was hard to deal with but uh, you know it's it's okay to have a moment of being sad as long as you don't let that moment continue so that's you know with a lot of what I teach my clients and a lot of what I say to my friends when someone says oh I'm having a really bad day I go okay well let's think about this there's 24 hours in a day has each of those 24 hours and 60 minutes in each of those 24 hours, has every minute and every second of it been bad? And they go, oh, well, no, I had a good lunch and, you know, we, we had a laugh over something. And, but, you know, I've just had really bad 
things happen today. I'm like, okay, well, they're bad moments. It's not a bad day. So it's okay to say I've had some bad moments today, but then there's been things that have been good. So, you know, out of that day when I cried the hardest I've ever cried before, the good to come out of it was I had a husband who, you know, who was there consoling me saying, it's okay, we will get through this. You've done it before and you're going to do it again. The good thing is we know what to expect this time. Mm. It's okay to be sad, but it's you have to let it go. How do you do that though? Because I've heard that too about how people give themselves a certain amount of time. It's like yeah. they know how to like almost compartmentalize their, or like schedule their sadness. How do you yeah. have self-control over that? The way that I see it and I've trained myself to see it now is does me crying right now fix what's going on and if it doesn't fix it if it doesn't make it better then why am I doing it but isn't crying a release so ultimately in the long run it would help yeah yeah I think you know you, you give yourself that moment to have that to have that cry like I say the moment is fine but it's where you know you wouldn't cry for a full 24 hours in a day you'd have moments where you go up and down with it and it's okay to do that but it's having that ability to, and even if you need to write it down as a as a reminder to yourself, it's okay to cry, but it's just a moment and crying isn't fixing the situation. Look, I think I maybe had one or two cries that day and then that was that was it because I went, okay, we this isn't helping him. Me crying is not making the situation better for him. So I just went, what do I need to do to make things easier for him? What do I need to do to help him get through this? And me crying wasn't doing that. And I gave him, even as, as a one-day-old baby, I gave him the benefit of the doubt of understanding that mummy was crying. So I went, okay, if he's going to see me upset, what's he going to think? He's going to be scared. He'll be afraid. He'll be sad himself. So I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be strong for him. God, it's such a oh, it's such a good point. I mean, my sister brought up to me only within the last year that she remembers this time as a young kid seeing my mom crying. And it's like she has this visual. She has remembered yeah. it so well. And for you to be able to be as a parent, knowing that how they see you is going to affect how they live and how they relate, yeah. and what they fear. Yeah, it's that, you know, being able to be strong for them so then they don't feel you know they don't feel the pain they don't feel the fear in it you know I've had to put my the eldest of the two I've had to put him in for surgeries that he's been conscious of he's you're literally forcing him onto a bed and saying to a surgeon throw that mask on his face so he can just go to sleep and he's you know he's kicking and screaming and thrashing Mm -hmm. around and really upset about it and I can't get upset I can't let him see that I'm upset because it's just going to make him worse. I need to be really calm and be that strength for him while he can't be strong because then, you know, like I said earlier, monkey see, monkey do. When he's older and he's in situations, he's going to remember and go, mummy was really strong at this point so I know that I can be really strong because she's shown me and taught me that this is what strength is. Mm, Wow. Has it made you feel like I've been lying or does it eventually feel like, wow, I have this a gift that I didn't know that I had. I've developed this skill of learning how to be strong for someone. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that you have to learn. It's not something that just comes if you haven't had the foundation of it. So I feel like my children will have that foundation because wow. they've seen me. they've seen me do it. I didn't have that foundation. I had to learn it. 
and this is you know something that I talk about with clients is having that foundation if you've not had it you need to learn it so things are going to be much harder for you but if you have children and the other people that are around you watching you you're teaching them so once again that power that position of power you're in power you're in control because you're saying hey things are hitting the fan all around me but look at how strong and calm I am it's that duck that's paddling you know its legs are going crazy under the water but you don't see that you don't Uh see what you see is the calm duck just floating on the surface going I'm in control I've got this and I'm showing you that this is strength and this is courage and this is power Uh Wow. Okay. So you've mentioned having clients. I'm curious about what your business is, but I also imagine that being able to be a mother like this, and like you said, like the duck image, like I would just feel that would make you such a powerful person in business. Thank you. I try to be. (laughs) So what I do is I actually... Uh, I don't like to use the word relationship coach, but I call myself a relationship specialist. So I teach people how to break cycles, very much what I've been through. I teach businesses um, and individuals how to break toxic cycles, so kinks in the chain. So someone might come to me and they go, I always find myself in a relationship with the same type of guy. You know, they always do the same thing. And all my friends say to me, oh, you always go for men like that. And then I go back and go, okay, where's your foundation? Everything starts with a foundation and we try and work out where they've got this image. And 99.9% of the time, it's the image that was displayed to them growing up by their parents. A lot of people will get into the same relationship that their parents were in. You know, if they've come from a broken home and they haven't, they haven't had a broken home that works um, harmoniously, like I would like to say that my ex-husband and I work really harmoniously with, you know, we, we basically, we're, we're a parenting team of four. So, and, and we work really well together. So we're confident that our children will go on to have really healthy relationships because that's what we're displaying to them, healthy relationships. Mm. So many people don't have that image and they've got parents who fight and who put their children in the middle and they'll even go as far as to say to their kids, or oh, daddy did this or mummy did that and mummy's a bad person. And I believe that when it comes to breakups, children should be very much kept neutral and they shouldn't feel any of your pain. So always putting your child first and, you know, going, they're innocent. It's not their fault. So they should not feel anything that's conflicting or or that's going to make them feel any pain. They should just go, yeah, mum and dad don't love each other anymore and that's okay, mm-hmm. but they're going to work really well together and, and you know, look after me and put me first. So, yeah, that's that's what I do. I teach people how to break toxic relationship cycles. So how does it work for you in the sense that, you can be working on putting a better foundation for yourself. Like I'm just going back to you as an example. And so you realize that you chose someone initially because you didn't have a good foundation. And now you have children that are seeing a divorce happen. So you're able to control, I imagine, and, and you have this image of, I want my children to see that we broke up, but it's okay. People don't work out together. And just a positive, a more neutral stance. But if you can't control your exes and he's not doing that, he's not having those revelations, what do you do as a person? 
and that's where the communication comes into it. And that's actually one of the steps on my program is communicating. So I communicate very openly and honestly with my children. And I say to them, it was beneficial for you, for mum and dad not to be together because I didn't want you to see that that's what a real relationship was mm. because mummy and daddy didn't get along very well and that that wasn't healthy for you. And when, you know, they come to me and they might say, oh, you know, someone said this on the other side, I'll always go to their dad and say, look, this has come up. I need you to be aware that, you know, things that are said or things that are displayed affect the kids. It doesn't affect me. And if anyone has a problem with me, then they're free to come to me and discuss it. But the children should never feel Mm. um, any sort of negativity. And I think it's all communication. It's all being able to say and remind him. And at the end of the day, we can't control what they do. We can only control what we do. But it's being open and honest with the kids and, you know, having them aware that it's okay for someone to say that. And the reason that they've probably said that is because they're feeling hurt or they're feeling sad and that's all right to feel hurt or sad, but it's not okay to take it out on someone else. So you know that, you know, if you feel hurt or sad at someone, that it's okay to feel that way, but it's not okay to react that way. So we just mm. we just teach them and use use those examples and say, it's all right to feel sad, it's okay to feel angry, but it's how you react that's the big important part. Mm. You spoke about having a program. Do you do sessions that feel like kind of therapy sessions? These therapists don't have programs, really. Yeah, yeah, or- yeah, I do. Oh, so you do do that. And is the program something separate or is it, how does that work with your clients? Yeah. So we, um, basically we do our first program is a, is an assessment program. So we go through and, and, you know, we go all the way back to the beginning and like I say, try and find out where the foundation is. And, you know, I, I do, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> do an assessment, I do observations, and then I make recommendations from there. So then we have another program that we can put people into, and it basically resets their foundation. We go through goal setting, we get them to create their own values, their own visions, mission, purpose, you know, how to set goals for yourself, how to achieve those goals. We teach them how to communicate. We teach them how to structure their life properly so they can actually achieve these goals. You know, it's all well and good to say, I want to run a half marathon, but how do I run a half marathon? How do I get there? Because I don't just show up on the day and go, I'm going to run a half marathon today. There's preparation and planning that goes into place. So we teach them how to do that. We teach them how to surround themselves with a good accountability group. So good, influential people who are actually going to pat them on the back for their achievements and make them feel good about themselves. Then we do a three-monthly review and just make sure that everyone's, you know, on the right path and we nurture them and, you know, make sure all through the process that they're getting the support and the love that they need and, you know, being able to give people back their power is, for me, that's one of the biggest, you know, feathers in my cap is is for someone to go, I feel like I'm in control. I feel like I've got power and to change their life. I love that. Now, in terms of like this second program about resetting foundations, how many clients come to you, you know, because you're, you're saying that you're a relationship specialist. So I imagine that oftentimes you're coming based on a relationship, but they yeah. feel like after, like when they're resetting their foundation, like they might want to run a marathon or they, they want to do something that's very them focused and not romantic relationship based. How yeah. often do they kind of move away from romantic relationship in order to reestablish just themselves? 
all of them. Really? <laughs> once I think what yeah, once they get that, um, once they get that point of, okay, I've got a relate, I've got a foundation and I know what I want now out of a relationship. But you know, we we get everyone to focus on them and it's not so much going out, going, oh, I'm looking for a relationship. No, focus on you first because you need to love you. And I, I say that, you know, your priorities as an individual or your priorities through life should be your number one priority. Your relationship is number two priority and your children are number three. And then comes, you know, work basically. And the reason I say that is because if you're not functioning as an individual, then your relationship can't function. And if your relationship's not functioning, your children can't function. And then if that's not functioning, if everything at home isn't functioning, work life is not going to function for you either. Mm -hmm. So it's getting people to go, you know, right down to, like I said, that foundation, that core, and it is you. So how do we get you operating and functioning properly and then we'll get the relationship in and then we'll get the children in and then, then people go, oh, my God, now I want to run a half marathon and I want to completely change my diet. I want to go from being, you know, a crazy meat eater to a vegan now. And I think that when people have that breakthrough, they go, oh, my gosh, look at all these other things in my life that are going wrong that I want to change and I want to fix now. Mm-hmm. And it's like I say, it's it's that personal realisation. The only person who can change someone is yourself. So you can't expect the world to change. You need to change yourself to have that ripple effect and to change the world. I wonder if your ability to say that it's important to focus on yourself and that's where real change happens is because you got yourself back after you became single. Or it started with you saying, I'm going to leave my my husband. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I was so lost as a person that I remember going to a clothes shop one day after just after having my second son. And I'm in the clothes store and I just lost it. I just broke down because I've just gone, what do I wear? What does a a mum of two children who's a young mum Wow. What do what do I wear? And I was just I was so lost, and it, it you know it got I started to have an anxiety attack. I just I had to get out of there, and I you know needed clothes, and I walked away with nothing. But that's how lost I was in in that place. And yeah, it wasn't until I got out and and you know started to focus on me that everything started to change and everything fell in line. And like I say, you know the universe gave me my husband now, and we we're at the right place at the right time. And you know the rest is history, really. I mean, what a story though, because within six months. It was pretty amazing. Like I say, we met each other at the right time in our life. I was out at breakfast with a few of my friends for my birthday and we're at this cafe and I'd seen him before. We'd met once at CrossFit and CrossFit was something that I got into uh, when I left my ex-husband because I needed to be surrounded by different people. I needed to meet new people and create a new circle. And so he, um, yeah, walked into this cafe with a friend and sat down know a few tables away from me and as I was leaving and walking out with my friends I looked at him and waved and I was like oh hey and this guy jumped out of his seat and his face lit up like a kid on Christmas morning who's just seen Santa and he's like hey hi how you going (laughs) and I was like wow that was wow that was a really cool response I messaged him on uh, Facebook, uh, look, I may have stalked him a little bit on Facebook. I love it. You have contact. This is so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, he gave me butterflies just with a hello. So I, um, yeah, stalked him a little bit and sent him a message and just, oh, you know, do you want to catch up for a coffee? Yeah, that would be great. And that was, so the 13th of March was my birthday and we went out for our, a coffee and it wasn't a date. It was just a coffee, just two people, you know, meeting yes. up. Yes. 
on the 31st of March and it was like electricity and it was like two souls that had met each other in a previous life and had come back together and we we just spoke and it turned into five hours dinner we're on the beach we had our first kiss and it was yeah amazing and we're basically inseparable from then and that was March we moved in together in October and then uh that Christmas um my second son so the I'd only had the two boys at that stage he became quite ill um, as a part of his disease so he spent three weeks in hospital over Christmas time he almost died he um, had to have three major emergency operations in five days and started to crash on the third operation that was really tough and uh, he spent the next six months being in hospital um, at least once a month for six months having another operation just because of complications and then finally the surgeon said all right we're going to do this is what they call like the final procedure for his condition I said we're, we just can't keep doing this we need to change something so yeah in um, June 2017 he had this final procedure and while he was doing that my um, husband had to go away to help his brother who had cancer um, so he was about 3,000 kilometers I don't know what that is in miles but he was helping his brother and I was dealing with my son and then a few weeks later his brother quite suddenly passed away and so we um, had his funeral and on our way home from his brother's funeral, we kind of went, well, let's get pregnant and, you know, try and have a baby because why are we waiting? You know, we've just been shown how fickle and how short life can be. So we literally were trying to get pregnant for a week. I fell pregnant and uh, two days after we found out I was pregnant, um, my husband's dad passed away, which was three weeks away from his brother passing away. So we went through that. And then um, in the following March, our son was born with the rare disease. So we say that we went through the 18 months of hell with just losing people and having sick children. And like that's why we say we met each other exactly when we needed to, because we really needed each other as support through all of that. The fact that you didn't withdraw, neither of you guys withdrew and said, you know what, maybe there's a better time for us to meet. Maybe there's better conditions. Um, I don't want it to look this way in the beginning. Yeah. No, we, like I say, we needed, we needed each other to get through that. We could have done it alone, but we were just, we say we had so much chaos going on around outside of us and we were so strong as a unit. The two of us Mm. were just rock solid. Mm. So yeah, we, we just, you know, our relationship right at the very start was well and truly tested and the universe threw us so many curveballs and we just went, you know what, not today, mate. We're going to deal with this and we're going to we're going to knock it out of the park. You know, I'm horrible at math and I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to calculate. So this was like two and a half, three years ago? Yeah, so 20, 2016, yeah, two, I mean, December. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, December 2016 was when he was in hospital. And it was June, July 2017 when his brother died. We got pregnant and his dad died. We actually got married. We weren't planning to be pregnant at our wedding, but we got married December 31st, 2017. And we actually brought our wedding forward and changed the location because of what had happened with his brother and his dad. And we kind of went, we want to finish the year that was on a really big you know, amazing, happy note. And, um, and we did that. It was beautiful. And then, yeah, to then have our son born three months later with the same rare disease was really difficult. But like I said, we've been through so much and we just keep getting stronger and stronger. Oh, 
it's just such a good example about how you didn't say, you know what? Some people would be like, let's wait till the following year to yeah. start the new year off on a great note. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's end a bad year off on a high note. Absolutely. That just speaks yeah. to the type of people you are. Not everyone yeah. would do that. Like you're not yeah. putting off the joy in life. Absolutely. Yep. Mm. Yep. Because life doesn't wait for you. And that's the thing. You need to make the most of the opportunities that you've got at the time that you've got them. You know, people say, when's the right time? There's never a right time to do anything. You just need to give it a go. And again, like I say, the the analogy about being on your deathbed, I never want to look back and go, oh, if only I'd done that at that time, you know, and I, I, I try not to think in selfish terms. I try to think of in terms of how can I impact the people around me? How can I make the world a better place? How can I make someone else feel good? You know, because that's ultimately, that's what gives me the results. That's what makes me feel good about myself is the results that I can give other people. And I don't want to wait around for something to happen. I want to go and create, make it happen. Mm. Absolutely. And I think about, you know, dating, just something that happened to me recently. And I'd gone out with this guy and at some point, you know, he's opening up about all of his relationships and he looks at me and he's like, well, what about you? You know, do you date? And I said by, by line that I think I'm going to start retiring. It was like, oh, I don't date. And I just meant it as like, like, I'm not out looking. Like I don't, I'm not on apps. I don't see five guys in a week. Like I don't date as a verb. Of course, of course I'm open to love. So he's like, looks shocked, like everything. (laughs) And he goes, well, I thought you were interested in me, which is the only man that I have become curious about since my ex, like almost two years ago. And I was like, I don't know why you'd get that impression, like trying to buy myself some time. Long story short, I said, no, no, I'm I'm kidding. You're right. You're the first man that I've been curious about. So whatever, we have this great afternoon. It's an hour and a half about hearing about his relationship. So then two days later, I ask him to go to this premiere of the Joker and he goes, I thought you didn't date. I'm really not interested in that though. Um, thanks to her, the offer. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy changed completely. Like it's an invite. Number one. Like I didn't know, wow. what, you know, a few days go by and I'm like, you know what? It might look, whatever. It might look desperate. It looked like, it might look like I care too much. Like I'm reading into things. So I said, I don't want to miss out on the opportunity. One, like I can't afford not to be clear in my life. And I yeah. don't want to miss out on the opportunity because there's a misunderstanding. So I, I told him like, this is the line. I'm going to retire it. This is what I meant by it. This is what I think about you after spending our lunch together. And you're the first person that's gotten me excited about dating again. And you know, he wrote back and it was something like, I've been in a whirlwind of two relationships. Like, let me be a dog or alone. Yeah. And yeah. It was this moment of like, I wanted to make something happen. I want to go for it. And in the process, I really complimented another person. I made them feel good about themselves. You know, I told them what I thought about them. And it kind of goes back to like, you know, what we were talking about in the beginning. You can't say something looking for a certain response. Like someone goes to me, they go, "Why why did you say that to him? They said, what were you looking for? And the reality is like, I wasn't actually looking for an answer. I wasn't looking for a great because I really want to date you. I mean, I figured that was not going to be the case, you know, but I knew that I just had to say this for myself. And that's, that's all it is, is you can never control what someone else does. You can never, like I said before, never ask anyone else to change or to do anything for you. You just need to do whatever makes you content with the situation and content with life. And that's you know, that's what puts everything with you is, is being able to just be 
full, be intentional, live your life fully and just go, I'm just going to put it out there and let it, let it happen. And yeah. if it doesn't, well, then it's just not meant to work out, you know. Yes. And, and like I keep saying, everyone that I come in contact with, it's okay if it doesn't work out. Would you prefer to pursue the right relationship or pursue a relationship that's not going to work out? Relationships shouldn't be forced. No. So I have a client at the moment who, um, you know, oh, I like this guy, but this and that. And I just I say to them, you need to just be upfront and you need to just let it happen. You can't force this to happen. And if it's not going to happen, don't put your time and energy into something because if you're turning turning your back on, you know, whether where the universe, where the world is trying to guide you, you're missing that opportunity for that person who could be standing right there and you're blinded. You're not seeing them because you're forcing something that's not supposed to happen. Mm. So be open and just let it happen. It will happen. That's the thing with relationships and dating. They will happen. And it doesn't matter how you meet. You might meet on Tinder. You might meet on, you know, eHarmony. You might meet by just walking past each other in the street and something clicks Mm. And, you know, then all of a sudden you keep seeing this person and you go, I've got to go and talk to you. You know, there's there's something, there's some reason why we keep seeing each other. Yes. It will happen. doesn't matter how it happens, it will happen and it won't be forced. Yes. I love that. And people that aren't forcing things, they're not anxious in the relationship. It's the people that have been forcing all along that are analyzing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great point. I think there's a song or there's something you can't force love. There's a line in a song, um, I can't think of it, but that's just coming to my head at the moment, something like, you can't force love or whatever. I'll look it up. Yeah. I haven't heard it, but I live by it. So, oh my God. I coined a word and it's break upward. And I'm curious about what your interpretation of that word might be. Yeah, so that's that's actually a really cool and interesting word, break upward. So I, I would say if you're, you've just gone through a breakup, you'd want to step forward and keep moving on with your life. You don't want to go backwards, mm. basically. In a, in a very simple uh, explanation of it, it's move forward. Yes. You move back and that's with everything in life. You, you never want to go backwards. You can only go forward. So mm. looking for that next opportunity, looking for that step up. I say to people, um, you know, that I'm working with who, who are in the midst of a breakup, who maybe they're about to break up or they've just broken up or they're looking to break up. And I say to them, the best thing that you can do is write down like almost like a pros and cons list, but write down the things that you liked and write down the things that you didn't like. And the things that you liked go, okay, what out of here is my values? What do I want to take with me as the things that I liked? Out of the things that you didn't like, what are my lessons? What do I need to change mm. as a person? Not what do I need to go looking for in someone else. Nice. What in this list do I need to take responsibility for? And what in this list do I need to change? So it could be, uh, you know, not enough sex or it could be not enough communication or they didn't rub my shoulders enough or, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So what do I need to do to fix these things that I felt were wrong in my relationship? And it's actually a really hard thing for people to do because it means that they need to accept responsibility. And that's one of the biggest steps in um, changing your life and moving forward as a person is being able to accept responsibility for things mm. that have gone wrong and not play the blame game. Mm, I love this. Thank God you didn't take a turn and start saying this is the pros cons list. And in this likes and don't likes, you go out and take it to find the next partner. I was like, please don't tell me that's what this is about. 
Oh my God. Yeah. You just, yes. You have integrity. You, the whole thing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Life's all about great. lessons. Like yeah. that's, you know, you, there's always a lesson in the, the situation might look ugly on the outside. You know, I've got two children who were born with a rare disease. That looks pretty ugly on the outside, but what's the lessons underneath it? What have I got to learn from this? Mm. And, you know, for me, the biggest takeaway was just how strong I can be. I didn't didn't give myself enough credit for being strong, but I'm pretty mm. damn strong for going through what I've gone through. Exactly. Like that's when, when I had that image of you in the hospital room with your child and you're having to hold him down, I feel like it's this moment. It's like this, there's like a bliss that might become you when you realize, wow, I didn't know I was capable of being this person. Yeah. I didn't know that I could be this way if I had to. Like, I just, I feel like those moments in life, I hope I get to experience that as a parent. I experienced it a bit as when I was with my ex and he had two children. It's the part that I think I had to grieve the most because I saw the side of myself that I've wanted in so many other ways in my life. And I try to find it artificially by turning on in life and feeling awake and alive and, and being orderly. And I saw that become me when I was around these children. And it was so exciting because again, it wasn't a superficial thing. I wasn't having to take some drug to turn me on in life. It was just these children that brought that out of me naturally. Yeah. Oh, that's so great that you have that. Yeah. Like I say, I, I feel, I feel lucky for my experiences and, and people on the outside go, oh, how do you do it? And I, I've just gone, first of all, it's amazing how strong you can be when strong is your only choice. Mm. And secondly, it is a choice. This, I choose to, to look at things this way because that's what I'm in control of. I'm in control of my choice. I'm in control of my reaction. And you know, it, it doesn't help me to, to be upset, doesn't help them to be upset. They are my greatest gift because they are my greatest lesson. Mm, my gosh, that is good. They're my greatest gift because they're my greatest lesson. Wow. Mm-hmm. So tell my audience where they can find you. Yeah, so I've got a website. It's amyhair.com.au. Now I'm a little bit, my, my parents like to be unique. So my Amy is A-I-M-E-E and then hair, like hair on your head, like a hairdresser. <laughs> it's just amyhair.com.au. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and it's just forward slash I am Amy Hair. Perfect. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Yeah, for sharing the wisdom of your past, but also sharing the wisdom of what you do with your clients. My pleasure. Anytime. Anytime you need me, I'm right here. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone.
Thank you.